We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Try from the North Brave and Bold to the official unofficial podcast with your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined today by co-host and maybe for the first few minutes, pretty happy dude, Dallas Hammer. Dallas, come on. You... You have talked shit on the Rams mostly. I know this is managing expectations, but come on. You know you have talked shit on your Rams, and that was all buying karma points, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, It was almost a year ago to the day that I came on this show, and you guys asked how I was doing, and I just said MMFS. And while there were many downs throughout the season, uh, I could not be more thrilled with, with being a Rams fan right now. I am on top of the world. Uh, they lost six straight to the 49ers after finally getting it done in lucky number seven when it mattered the most. And now here I am actually like thinking the Rams might win the Super Bowl, which is blasphemy. And I'm probably going to get struck down for that. And Joe Burrow is going to throw five touchdowns. But uh, no, I am on top of the world. It's been a it's been a crazy ride for me the last couple of days. Joining us from the shadows, our producer, the one and only Martin Hot Take Heemstra. Martin, how's it going in Moscow? I am. It's going great in Moscow. It's cold. It is freezing right now still, surprisingly. And yeah, a little warming me up right now just because it's signing day and it's a new day. New team, new kids have joined the team that are 10 years older than 10 years younger than me. And it makes me feel old as shit. If they're 10 years older than you, like younger, what? <laughs> I, I know, I know. I just I'm, I'm commenting on this on misspeaking. That would make us like the BYU grad school <laughs> for that to be the case. But anyway, guys, we're going to we're gonna jump in to Around the Bar. Today's show, we're going to talk about signing day. Your vegetables are coming, too. We're going to talk about the men's basketball team. So uh, one of our favorite live viewers, uh, Rack of Tits 69, don't worry, man. You're going to get your broccoli. But first, today is today's signing day, and it is – just like earlier when Eck, when we first did our shows about Eck being hired. And one of the things that I said is, hey, look, managing expectations gets to come later right now. Just be ecstatic. Look, we all know signing day is mostly freshmen. And typically good college football teams are, of course, not led by freshmen exclusively. So part of us knows a lot of these guys we're not going to see for a while. But who gives a shit? We've got a bunch of new vandals to talk about. We're going to jump right into National Signing Day. By the way, Dallas, before I say the names, tell me how you feel. If, if it, listeners haven't seen this event on Vandal Twitter, our football, our athletic department with football coaches, of course, being in there, they owned social media signing day. Like we've joked about Eck doing videos of himself as keeping up with the Vandals. We had produced videos for every new guy, Dallas. As the as the former broadcast professional, media professional, I, I I would make the joke it's a complete 360 from where where the Paul Petrino era was. Um, for anybody that's not super well versed in math and geometry, it's actually 180, but the joke is 360. Anyways, uh, 
truly baffling. The if you go to the Vandal Football Twitter account right now, there is a video for almost every single player, and it's well produced. There's music. There's coaches talking about them. There's there's film of the kids. It's it's breathtaking. It is it is incredible. Uh, couldn't couldn't be more thrilled with again this coaching staff and this new iteration of Vandal Football is taking the right steps at every single point. And man, I just I can't wait for fall. I know the spring game is coming up, but God, I can't wait for September. Which we have, to, we'll talk about the spring game in a second because actually, hey, let, let's lead with that. Uh, Martin, while I'm going, do you mind throwing the date for the spring game in over the weekend at VSF Gala in Boise? Uh, Coach Jason Eck made an announcement. If you listened to our show, you already knew that the spring game was not going to be held at the in the Kibbe Dome at the very least because the Kibbe Dome track is being resurfaced and on, on Friday. Coach, Coach Jason Eck announced that Idaho is going to hold their spring game at Eagle High School in Eagle, Idaho, which if you don't live in the center of the universe, as some call it, and it's Boise, which is, of course, the Boise is the city with the single city in, in the nation with the most Vandal alums. So spring game is spring game is going to be on the road. If you can travel for that, uh, obviously, go ahead and do it. Martin, can you, you tell, tell us what day? the spring game is yeah it is on april 30th which is a saturday in at eagle high school okay so you have 10 days after april 20th to prep yourself for april 30th spring game in boise in at eagle eagle high school in boise dallas how you feel about if we're not in the spring game in moscow taking it down to the alums in boise I love it personally. Um, I have long believed that, especially when they used to do it on like Thursday nights in Moscow or Thursday afternoons in Moscow, it's the dumbest thing possible. You're the, the whole point of the spring game is to get people excited and amped up. That's why the Cougs put theirs on the Pac 12 network. Um, that's why they have the Pac 12 network is to put things like that out in the out in the public sphere so people can get excited. That's what it's for. I love the idea of let's take it down to Boise, let's get as many vandals as we can there. You know, obviously the diehards like have the season tickets in Moscow, but maybe the folks that you know don't come to games a lot because that's a pretty long drive. Let's let's send the team down there. Let's get people excited. Let's get the word out about this new era of Vandal football. Couldn't be more thrilled about about the fact that they're going to do this in Boise. I actually, it's a bummer because there's no way I can make the trip to Boise just with with work. I, I just can't do it. But I would love to see that as a yearly thing. Just do the spring game in Boise. Just see if you can get it on ESPN Plus and just put it on put it down in Boise. Get people out there. Get people excited. Get, I mean, it's the largest base of alums out there. Get them invested in this program. You just stole all my points, so I'm I'm emotionally devastated. But I'm uh, sorry. I'm just gonna co I'm gonna co-sign on that. I'm not gonna be able to go to the spring game. I really hope it's on ESPN Plus. Uh, Eastern Washington had a signing day special on ESPN Plus today. No other school did, but that obviously means we can host things like this. Eagle High School has to have camera equipment because they're a good high school in Boise and even the not great Idaho high schools can film their games. So fingers crossed that that's available for the spring game. I'm going to jump back to signing day. And last thing to honestly, to Pat, the, it's not just the football team. I mean, the athletic department is the organizational, uh, you know, force behind a lot of this. If you guys go to govandals.com right now, their splash page is the signing day roster. So like Martin, Martin keeps a kick-ass tracker that no other website relating to Big Sky Sports does for not just Vandal sport, Vandal Athletics, but for uh, 
other big sky football teams. Like we're Martin's Martin, Martin's day tracker is about as good as it gets in the big sky. This is a kick-ass thing to just know that a lot of people can see who the signees are right away. We're the football team, the athletic department football team is leading with the good news, which we're going to jump into right now after having promised it like three times. So Dallas, we already talked about a handful of signees last last week where we have uh, Ben Bertram and Matthias Bertram or Matias Bertram. For, uh, both of those guys are transfers from University of New Mexico. We talked about a uh, kicker, Ricardo Chavez, who apparently is a right-footed kicker and a left-footed punter. We talked about Ridge. Now we get to connect, correct the pronunciation, guys. Rich Duchacall is the quarterback we signed from Scottsdale, Arizona, Cigara High School. He was the he's one of the more hyped quarterbacks we've had in quite some time. Uh, side note, we have a ton of court. We're eventually going to have to talk about the quarterback room because we have a lot of guys who are in that quarterback room right now. Uh, we are all, we talk about Cade Ledesma, wide receiver slash defensive back from Ventura, California. And we have two two quick guys who are already on campus. They're not precisely signees, but they're definitely going to be on the team. Uh, Devontae Keys, defensive lineman from Kilgore Community College in Texas. And Jason Hallbeck, offensive lineman grad transfer from Morningside, which is an NAIA school. But we're, those guys are all – they've – we announced them last week or they've been on campus for a little bit. So they're new vandals, but for today's purpose, they're not, they're older vandals. First signing we're going to talk about and I'm going to throw it to you, Dallas. Thanks for sitting on the shelf. Ormani Arnold, defensive back from Compton, California, uh, Dominguez high school there, which Dominguez high school is a pretty prolific place for churning out division one athletes, both football and basketball, by the way, like in their glory days, they turned out um, Tayshawn Prince and Tyson Chandler for basketball, which does not matter for Vandal football. But uh, but it's a good nugget nonetheless. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, so Ormani or Arnold looks like a like he's a pretty pretty dang fast at the DB position. That is a that is of course one of our greatest areas of need is Dallas, based off the last handful of seasons, is uh, having athletes who can get us some stops at defensive back. Exactly. That's the thing. Uh, so he's listed as five at five nine one seventy. He's actually, if you look at you know twenty four seven. No, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I stole this point from Martin. He was telling me about this in the background because recruiting is not my thing. I will be completely honest here. I I'm probably the least knowledgeable about recruiting of the three people on this panel. Uh, as Martin was telling me, twenty four seven doesn't do a great job of keeping up on FCS stuff, uh, but. He is listed as an athlete on his 24-7 profile, so it's interesting to see that Idaho has him listed as a as a DB on the website because that's obviously where I, I think if you're looking for a guy to make impact immediately, defensive back is probably where that, that's most likely to happen because the secondary has struggled for years. Uh, the, the little papers that were being given out at, at the Vandal football uh, event today says that Ormani's a receiver and defensive back he did lead their league in receiving yards and touchdowns with 800 yards and 14 touchdowns. Also has eight interceptions in his career and was a two-time special teams player of the year. So uh, a kid that has had a hell of a high school career. Uh, again, he is listed as a defensive back, which he's a little guy. He's 5'8", uh, so he's, he doesn't have a massive size back there, but he's quick. Uh, I was just watching the film here. He is 
he is quick. So the more speed we have, the better, because part of me used to question is the eight yard cushion of death from, I, I apologize, Martin Bresky's cushion of death. Uh, ugh, God, I can't even just shudder thinking of that. It was the eight yard cushion of death because the guys weren't athletic enough or was it poor coaching? We're going to, I guess we're going to find out this year, but seeing a guy that's this fast out there, uh, no complaints from me about this. Now, if you look at last season's team, Idaho gave up 20 passing touchdowns in conference play, easily the most, gave up 299.4 yards through the air. Any guy with speed is at this point is going to look like a signing to be excited about. Uh, and also, hey, shout out to, to Coach Stanley Franks, who's uh, been doing some pretty good work in the social media world as well. So, uh, you know, again, we brought this caveat up. Obviously, what matters is the games when you get into the season, but we're pretty damn far away from the season. So what they can do right now is win hearts and minds and get people excited. They're doing what they can. Uh, I do have to jump in very quickly, but Brian, uh, I have to apologize for the 5'8 that I I called out all of the people that are 5'8. My dad is 5'8, and I jokingly call him a little guy because I was taller than him when I was like 12. So I apologize for Patrick and anybody else that's listening that is 5'8 and is offended by me making fun of people for being 5'8". I have plenty of 5'8 people in my family, and I jokingly refer to them as little guys because I'm taller than them. Anyways. I, I do also want to jump in one last thing. He was also coached by former Vandal Herb Cash. Former Vandal cornerback, I should say. He is also a, he was also a good friends with Stanley Frank, so that connection paying off, getting another, getting another Vandal connection on the team. Hell yeah. Which, you know, we're going to jump over next guy. If you look at his 24-7 profile, you can see the pretty clear connection of what got brought him to Idaho. We're talking about Chance Bogan. Uh, Chance Bogan, a former University of Washington recruit of Thomas Ford. By the way, Chance is a 6'3 tight end. And, uh, yeah, the connection here. He was recruited by, at University of Washington by Thomas Ford then gets recruited by Thomas Ford to University of Idaho. Let's see. This is athletically a, a pretty big and surprising get for us because I know in our private chats that we've had, initially when we talked about landing Bogan a, a couple weeks ago, uh, at least uh, at least one of us thought, okay, well, like me, I don't know if this is real. But no, uh, Bogan definitely is, is on the team. 6'3", athletic tight end, pass catcher. Um, we know that X very likely going to use tight ends in a way that, that Paul Petrino did not in the last 900 years. So again, uh, a lot of freshmen aren't going to see the field a ton, but pass catchers, def you can definitely be an impact pass catcher in the big sky as a freshman. Uh, just ask Cottrell Haywood when he was at Idaho. Just at, I mean, honestly, they, just about every school that is, that is successful in the big sky, you're going to have some skill position players as freshmen who compete. Uh, we'll see if Bogan's one of those guys, but Bogan is a huge name relative to where he'd been recruited previously, Pat Power Five University of Washington, and now he's a Vandal. Well, and the the thing that's that's craziest, obviously, uh, the Thomas Ford connection is already paying off massive dividends. We spoke about that multiple times as we we knew he was rumored for for spots on this coaching staff. Uh, obviously, was the guy that recruited Chance to UW, and then he went to Idaho with Coach Ford. Uh, Chance's dad played linebacker at the University of Washington. So to turn down the family alma mater and come to Idaho is a huge coup. And not to not to talk uh, poorly against anybody else in this class, this to me is the biggest get of this class. I am stunned. I know UW had another tight end that they signed, and that's what made 
Bogan, you know, expandable and or expendable, excuse me, and gave us the opportunity as Vandals to bring him in. But truly baffling to me that a, a kid from Tacoma, a kid from that side, a kid whose dad played there, he chose to came to Idaho. I fully believe in what Kojak is doing if you're able to pull that kind of thing off. So I guess that takes us to our next player. I'm going to switch it up on you, Brian, and I'm going to introduce this one, and then I'm going to let you talk about him because I have to redeem myself because I can never pronounce people's names. So Tagana Sisi, I look at that, I nailed it. Tagana Sisi, I'm going to even say it again. 6'4", 270-pound tackle from Oakland, California, out of McClyman's, California. Brian, what do we know about this guy? We know Eck has talked about, one, needing to improve on the line. Every time I've heard him speak, he talks about, in his mind, games are won on both sides of the line. This is, uh, th- and we've also, he's also talked about development and how that's really been the key for the schools he's been at where l- lines have improved. CC, his uh, listed height on 24 7, he's 6'4, 270. Gonna guess there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit of muscle a little, or a little bit more size to pack on relative to some of the linemen in the league. You know, like University of Montana had a handful of 300 pounders. So this, this might be a guy who needs a little bit of time uh, to, you know, just add a few pounds. But again, that would make him an average college football player who Eck picked him up because we see something, we see, you know, see his promising size, see promising pedigree. And again, we knew we were going to see some line guys. We all know Idaho, we already referenced defensive backs for us. Other than defensive backs, line is where we need to get better. CC might be one of the, he's the first X signee. At line. So, hey, that, this is where X fingerprint on our line begins. Uh, after CC. I do want to also add one thing for CC. Go ahead. This guy had a bunch of offers to Ivy League schools and chose to come to Idaho. This this is a smart cat. He he is he had a bunch of other offers outside of the Ivy League schools and chose to come to Idaho. He chose to come to the Harvard of the Northwest. So he is a smart guy. By the way, thank you for saying that, Martin. I'm looking at looking at his offers right now. CC had offers from Ivy League Columbia, fellow Big Sky, but the Ivy League of the Big Sky, Cal Poly, an offer from Ivy League Brown. Also had an offer from Army. But hey, the service academies are also considered great places to go. And CC landed in Idaho. So yeah, th- thanks for bringing that up. That is a uh, this is another guy who he was offered from schools who would completely understand someone wanting to uh, jump on scholarships. You know, East Coast Ivy League, all that, or you know, hang out with Bo Baldwin in the sun. He's in Moscow. Next guy we're going to talk about. This is another uh, another Western Washington connection, Jordan Dwyer, from P- Puyallup High School in Puyallup, Washington. Uh, this it's Puyallup. Puyallup. Thank it's Puyallup. Uh, th- thank you. Thank you. This is why Martin's here. This is exactly why Martin's here. Jordan Dwyer from, say it again. Puyallup. Nailed it. Okay. Puyallup. Uh, Jordan Dwyer was all, had all other big sky offers, and this is kind of cool. Um, he's a guy who chose Idaho over. He was also offered by top five Portland State. Although maybe he listened to the report that we had with Matt Brown last week and found out Portland State is truly thinking about axing their football program, decided to leave. Had an offer from Montana State. Guys, that's a national runner-up Montana State who also, they're graduating their best wide receiver, Lance McCutcheon. So there's some reps to get there. 
also offered from Idaho State and Coach Ra- Coach Ragel down Pocatello, another guy who shows shows University of Idaho appears to be at least uh, pretty dang friendly with Bogan. Uh, his tape makes him look like he's pretty athletic. Uh, we're we're also doing all right at wide receiver, so this might be another guy we see a little bit. But we we've got we just signed another another great athlete this time on the offensive side of the ball. And part of me wonders as I'm, as I'm looking over the the sheet that. Uh, producer hot take Heemstra has so graciously provided for us uh jordan dwyer his father michael played football and ran track at eastern washington and i don't see any eastern washington offer here could it be that he chose idaho as a you know let's get a little spite against the protected rival on the red and show him what they missed if it is great i i don't care about the motive but super thrilled if that's what it is and if he's going to go out there and, and ball out in a couple years against eastern fantastic So I guess I'll introduce the next one because, uh, again, we're kind of producing live in public here, and I forget that, hey, I should probably hand back off to Brian. So our next guy, our next guy is actually from Idaho, which is, uh, I believe, the first person for, we've talked about so far that's from the great state of Idaho. Uh, we're talking about Cruz Hepburn, for actually from Lewiston, uh, 6'2", linebacker safety combo. Uh, what do we know about him, Brian? Well, what we know about him is he's a local dude. Uh, we know that we were graduating some talented linebacker. Again, average big sky schools are not led by freshman linebackers. But a lot of look, a lot of people. Eck talked about this in his press conferences too. He wants to start winning some of the local recruits. Now, we some of these guys we don't know what percent of a scholarship they're going to get, whether it's a full scholarship or what level of partial scholarship that, that they're going to be allotted. I, I can't comment on Cruz Hepburn, but linebacker out of Lewiston, like we, we already talked on the show about winning some alums back from Boise with, you know, the spring game being a move in that direction. It certainly doesn't hurt Idaho to give more reason for people from Lewiston to make the drive up, to see, see the team Cruz Hepburn's playing for, for, like we don't know when he'll see the field, but all league dude uh, out of Lewiston, which you, I mean, essentially everyone who signs at a D1 college is going to be all league where they came from. But that would be what we know. I mean, Cruz Hepburn is a, he's going to be kind of like a lot of local ish guys where if they're not from a big city like Portland or like what from the West side of Washington where the population base is, the recruitment services are going to have less information on them. Cruz Hepburn is a great example of this. Now that doesn't mean the guy is not going to be great. I mean, Troy Anderson out of Montana state, who is definitely going to get drafted in the NFL and has definitely been the story in the big sky for the last four slash five years. He was a zero star recruit out of Dillon, Montana, because he didn't go to camps that give people stars. Uh, don't know if Cruz is one of these guys because it's like his 24 seven page has a little bit less info. But if you're a person who wanted Eck to get some of the better local guys, he just did with Cruz Hepburn. Before, so the other thing to consider with Cruz is he was originally committed to Washington for to play baseball for I think it was like two years or something like that. And I know he was committed, and I think they had a leave exit at the luncheon today. He there was a coaching change, so he kind of took it back. He took his commitment back a little bit and then decided, hey, I'm going to try see if I can get a D1 offer in football. And lo and behold, it came in the form of Idaho. So, yeah, 
Uh, next guy, and I'm, I'll throw it to you in a second, Dallas. Uh, this is an all-name guy, and that we definitely had to get his name uh, looked up to pronounce it correctly. We were talking about out, an outside linebacker we signed from Glencoe, Minnesota. And, hey, that's our co- a lot of our coaches. We already talked about the Thomas Ford Western Washington connection. Good amount of our coaches have that Midwest area connection. And this is hey, this example for recruit rolling in from there. Mitchell Jaskowiak. Heading to Moscow. We definitely messaged him personally to get to get the pronunciation out of him. He also had an offer from South Dakota, where Rob Orich, the, our defensive coordinator, most recently coached, m- might also be part of how that where that connection came from to get him signed. But you know, like we talked about two seconds ago with Cruz Hepburn, and forgive me, Mark, for jumping too far one one too far down. Uh, we have we have people graduating both on the line and at linebacker, so. Jaskowiak is one of the guys who's going to be vying for some of the some of the playing time that we lost. Exactly. I mean, that's I think that's a, a large part of the thing here. He probably committed to again. Rob Orch coached the linebackers at South Dakota, so uh, makes sense that if you, if the kid's got a shot to follow the coach to his new job, makes sense he's going to come. Uh, I would, I do want to call out in his three years in his high school, he rushed for over thirty eight hundred yards and 30 touchdowns as a running back. It looks like he is going to play linebacker. So we'll see how he does on the other side of the ball. Again, it's, it's, I'm assuming he was recruited as a linebacker at South Dakota. So this makes sense. Uh, I also want to call it. He's a, he's an honor roll student. And that's something I have been missing uh, to mention about most of these guys. Uh, almost every single one of these kids has some sort of accolade that we haven't spoken about, whether it's being an Eagle scout, being on the honor roll four time, academic scholar or member of the national honor society member of the dean's list like all of these kids have been great kids too so uh not that they weren't uh, in previous classes but it is something that we're definitely missing as we're just trying to rip through these kids and give you a little bit of information about them almost every single one of them excels off of the field as well which is fantastic to see uh so we're going to kind of push the pace a tiny little bit because we are half an hour in and we're halfway through the class and you guys still have to eat your veggies because we have a bunch of breaking basketball stories to to rip out uh, for anybody that didn't see the Montana Montana State game, Brian and I have so much to talk about. Uh, that was sarcasm. Uh, next player, another guy from Idaho, uh, another person on the all name team as a as a guy with a weird name, Trace Higgins. That I love. I love the name already. Trace Higgins, 5'10", 175 receiver from Nampa, Idaho. Uh, he, boy, words are hard. Uh, he averaged. That can't be right. 185 yards per catch. That would be insane. That is that is honestly the greatest football player in the history of the world. That's what it says on the sheet from uh, Vandal Football. 185 yards a catch. I'm assuming that was supposed to be 18.5, but fuck it. We're going with it. 185 yards a catch. The Vandals just signed the greatest football player in the history of the sport. Yeah, pretty sure that's 18.5 yards yeah. per catch. <laughs> and that the uh, sheet passed out and just, just missed the decimal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, I mean, he helped lead Nampa High School to state quarterfinals. So, hey, that's cool. Uh, another local guy. Sp- you want to quickly add this guy though? They with Trace, they coaches would not stop talking about his dunks that he had his the, his dunking at the at the at the little signing day luncheon we had today. They he is an athletic dude. I mean, 185 yards a catch. You have to be pretty athletic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, 185 yards per catch. Um, 
don't have a ton more to add other than look receiver is one of our areas of strength. So getting a ton of reps as a freshman receiver is going to be pretty tough. This, uh, this might be a name for you guys to keep in your back pocket for the next, next couple of seasons, or just think, okay, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get a, we'll get three or four games out of him. He keeps the red shirt. I'm not trying to speculate because I'm just presuming kind of like running back wide receiver. We're, we're doing all right at wide receiver. So I wouldn't expect Cruz to be like, you know, a starter this coming season, but athletic dude from Idaho. That's one of the things people want. That's one of the things I had talked about doing. And he, he just did that with Cruz Hepburn. Next guy we're going to jump to is uh, Mervin Kenyon. The third defensive back from Vallejo, California, three years of eligibility. He's a community college transfer, six foot, 185 pound DV. Not a whole lot to add other than he's got college experience. And again, uh, this is last season. I don't have the worst uh, pass defense in the league. Any person at defensive back, we have to have fingers crossed. That's going to be improvement because it is hard to get worse than we were last year. And even if we can just be okay at the pass defense next season. That's a huge improvement. He's if he he's a guy who already has some college experience. Maybe that's a guy who's more physically mature, more ready to go from day one. Exactly. Comes in six foot one, 190 pounds. I'm assuming he's in pretty good shape having already played a college season. Uh, he did uh, play in nine games last year, 15 tackles, three tackles for loss and a pick uh, in high school. He was part of a state championship team and had 14 touchdowns as a receiver. So he obviously can catch the ball as well. Not that, I mean, not that a whole lot of DBs can't catch the ball, but you know what I mean. Uh, again, as a Juco guy, I would expect to see this guy earlier than later, uh, just knowing what our secondary has been like for the last couple of years. So uh, pretty excited about that. Next up, we have uh, one of two people with very similar names. Maybe they're related, maybe not. Keep listening for the next three and a half minutes to find out. Uh, first one is Dylan Lane from uh, Lake Oswego. I never remember how to pronounce that lake. Oswego. I call it Oswego, thank you. I just call it Lake O. Lake O in Oregon. Uh, he is a three-star recruit on 24-7 sports. Uh, 6'2", 215-pound linebacker. Uh, Brian, what do we know about Dylan Lane? All we know about Dylan Lane is, look, dude, three stars in the big sky is considered a high-profile high school recruit. And we just got that. Uh, it's another guy from the, I mean, it's not Western Washington, but it's Western Oregon. So it's, it's that section of that section of the country. Uh, Lake Oswego is, of course, uh, that's not a small school that he's playing at. I mean, Lake Oswego, you, you'd presume that's what that's going to be one of the bigger ones in high schools in the state. Uh, again, he's linebacker. We've listed a handful of linebackers who will be competing to either play or uh, I don't know, just have roster spots. Not a whole lot to add, but uh, his brother, it is his brother, correct, Martin, that we signed next. Yeah, Martin did not unmute. Okay, next guy we're going to talk about is another kind of high-profile-ish recruit from the exact same family, Jack Lane, 6'2", 200-pound quarterback from Lake Oswego, Oregon, Lake Oswego High School. He is a preferred walk-on at this point, uh, which another another quarterback. Again, we at some point are going to have to talk about the number of quarterbacks because I think it is just too much to presume everyone listed a quarterback now is going to stay at the school or stay as quarterback, one or the other. But uh, Jack Lane was Gatorade Player of the Year for Oregon. Uh, completed seventy-two percent of his passes, forty-four touchdowns, th- threw forty-four touchdowns, and only four interceptions. 
it's actually wild to me that Oregon player of the year is a preferred walk-on, but here we are. Especially with the size. I mean, he's he's listed at 6'1", 290 on 24-7. Idaho has him listed at 6'2", 200. I, it, it honestly, it baffles me. If you said he was 5'9", okay, maybe I could understand being a preferred walk-on, but the fact that he had uh, what looks like interest from Portland State, this is, again, this is according to 24-7, which isn't always... Top five Portland like, State? Excuse me, the correction? Top five Portland State had interest. He was offered by Valpo, uh, and that's it. And then he's choosing. He's choosing. Jesus God, he's choosing. Man, I cannot talk. He's choosing to come to Idaho as a preferred walk-on. Uh, I do want to point out something about the Lane brothers. They absolutely have football in the bloodlines. Their uncle Greg Belisari was a linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, way back when. So, uh, pretty great to have kids with with family NFL experience coming to the team. Uh, I am honestly stunned that Lane is a preferred walk-on, excuse me, the Jack Lane is a preferred walk-on, but uh, we'll see. Again, we'll see what happens because there's, at the moment, there's, what, nine quarter nine kids in the quarterback room? I feel like that's probably a little heavy. Uh, maybe eight and a half if you say Boris, just half in the running back room, half in the quarterback room, but uh, pretty, pretty overwhelming there. Um, so that's going to take us to our next Idaho player. Uh, this one is Jackson Mason. Uh, he's a tight end. Again, we are just racking up those tight ends. Uh, listed at 6'6", 235. I, it, it says he's a true freshman coming in from Rocky Mountain High School. I'll see it when I believe it. That kid is huge. I am shocked that he's coming to Idaho. A kid that is 6'6", 225 or 230, whatever he's going to be listed at. Shocked that he's coming to Idaho and didn't get some sort of offer from Boise State. But hey, that's their loss. Yeah, nothing to add here that you didn't that you didn't comment on except tight end and offensive line were two position groups that we've been told to expect will just look different under act than they have for the last while under Petrino. Jackson Mason is another local guy. People really – and part of it is because I created the expectation by talking about multiple times. But a lot of people have wanted us to, if we can, snag local guys who perform at the high school level here. Jackson Mason is an, is an example of act doing that. Next, def- next, to jump to defensive end Xavier Slayton out of Chicago, which Dallas, am I correct? A while back, it was kind of teased on social media. There was a big signing out of Chicago. This would be it, correct? This is absolutely it. The other offer he had was from Eastern Michigan. Okay, so yeah, Xavier Slayton, def- 6'3", defensive end. Uh, which that's a, another area that we graduated some talent at. So yeah, good to see it. Good to see someone else coming in. Uh, don't have a ton to add other than 24 seven lists him as six, three, two forty looks, pr- looks pretty dang athletic. He's listed defensive line on 24 seven, but you know, defensive end, defensive line that it, we know, we know what we're talking about. Uh, again, not a ton to add except to say uh, this is kind of a wide uh, swath that, uh, a different area uh, in terms of geography that our recruits are coming from, because with Petrino, we did get a lot of Southern guys. So that's not to say we didn't get from all over the country, but we're getting a much more West and Northern kind of footprint. And, uh, you know, like Patrick says in the comment section, uh, yep. Turn down uh, Xavier turned down playing in the Mac on what Thursday nights to come to Moscow. Uh, we've looked at a handful of guys who've turned down some interesting offers to come to Moscow. So, well, we again, I, nothing else to add except 
glad to have the dude here. I do have one thing to add. Uh, if anybody, I cannot imagine anybody is too f- terribly familiar with the practice squads in the NFL, but if anybody recognizes the name Chris Slayton, Chris Slayton is actually currently on the 49ers uh, practice squad. Well, actually, maybe not because their season's over. Suck it. Uh, brothers in the NFL. So getting a guy whose brother is in the NFL to come to Idaho is pretty impressive stuff, especially turning down, like Patrick pointed out, turning down Maction. I, I can't imagine doing that myself. I love Idaho, but I'd never turn down Maction. Uh Getting a guy with another NFL tie, fantastic to see it. Yeah, and uh, last guy we're going to talk about, I'm going to batch something really quick, Martin and Dallas, because last week, these guys were announced today, but we definitely talked about them uh, last week. Uh, we came, we talked about both Cade Ledesma and Jordan Velasquez last week. Those guys were announced as signees today. Uh Final one on our list we have not yet talked about is uh, Anthony Woods, 5'11", 180-pound running back from Palmdale, California, specifically Palmdale High School. This is a guy who rushed for 24 touchdowns last season and 1,580 yards in high school. Looks to be explosive uh, in terms of terms of his running rushing style, which, you know, like comparison, Rashawn Johnson's a little bit more of the battering ram. Uh, right now, Anthony Woods is, I don't know if you might say like rushing style, slightly more dynamic, but looks like a guy who can, who's certainly going to, could be a weapon. If you're watching, you can see the clips right now of him essentially just being way faster than all the guys he played in high school, which side note, if you're playing D1, you probably should be faster than everyone, but he looks the part. Another running back to, that we have, which of course, because running backs, running backs absolutely can contribute, contribute as freshmen. We've seen that last handful of years in Moscow. And also with how just that position is one of the more likely to go down with injury. Always good to have extra talent coming in. And I do want to point out, he was also named the, the back of the year in California and was given all CIF honors. CIF is the California Interscholastic Federation. Uh, obviously, California is a hotbed for football. So getting a guy who has some pretty outstanding recognition is, is fantastic. His dad also played for the Oregon Ducks. So again, just loading up on guys that, that have dads that played in, in, in bigger and better atmospheres. So love to see guys with, with a bunch of just familiar family talent coming in to the uh, Vandals. How in, and by the way, this is another Thomas Ford uh, recruit. So, Hey, Thomas Ford showing the, the footprint. Now, that's the last recruit we have talked about, but how in God's name did the, an Oregon player of the year and a California back of the year. Look, I don't mean to put down Idaho, but those are like, those are pretty, pretty big awards to get and then landed a big sky school. So nothing really to add to that other than it's, it's kind of bad. That is kind of baffling, but I'll take it. I mean, I guess, you know, when you're, you're looking at it, Woods is just in that weird range, just at least for him, he's 5'11", 180. So he's not quite like a large, large back, but he's also bigger than the the smaller shifty guys. And I think you, you run into the problems where coaches are looking too much for what their, their measurables are instead of what their production is. And, you know, sometimes that works out great. Other times, a guy like Anthony Woods, who was a, the back of the year in California, ends up coming to Idaho. Maybe he puts up some incredible numbers here. You know, who knows? Hot take. Before we uh, roll out of football, anyone else you want to talk about? 
football wise, no. I'm just it's it's a good class. I'm excited about everybody in this class. It just like every year, I'm excited. I'm just ready for ready for the new year, ready for the season already. Uh, we could also uh, just point out really quickly. I know we've talked about it before, but Tyler Webb and Jacob Graves uh, are also, I think, going to be considered part of this class. I, I don't know enough about gray shirting and maybe Martin or Brian. Maybe you guys do. But they were not announced in the past. Like I know, in previous Petrino classes, they would announce the gray shirts in the December signing period. The the previous December signing period, they didn't this time, obviously, because they didn't. They were not on staff but i do know those two are at least on campus and have been they're they're at least on campus right now i know there's might be a couple others but i don't want to name names to give anybody any false hope or false information that might be wrong otherwise yeah webb is definitely part of this year's class he, he's been on martin's right you know he's been on as a great shirt but tyler webb quarterback uh he's out of texas he's definitely part of this class um I don't, yeah, I, I'm going to transition, but I just I actually did make a list of our quarterbacks. There are potentially nine right now on this roster, so a development that we will be looking at heading in through the springs through the spring and into the you know the start of the fall season. There's no. I'm just going to say this right at this point. No way, all nine stay in the quarterback room, at least in the quarterback room in Idaho, because that's a that's a lot of guys. Zach Borish is listed as a running back on our 2022 roster. But that doesn't necessarily mean he thinks he's been listed as running back previously. And we all know he did not line up at running back last season. So we'll see whatever. Uh, before we transition out, Captain58 just wanted to remind everyone you can renew or buy season tickets right now. I got a mailer today about renewing my season tickets. So, yeah, if you're one of the 24 live listeners right now who are stoked about football news, if you haven't bought your season tickets, go to Go Vandals, click on tickets, buy some tickets, man. Uh, I, there's re, there's a reason people are stoked about this. There's a reason, you know, I've messaged with a play-by-play guy for Idaho State today who he is, uh, look, he, he's happy with Regal being there, but he is also he is also pretty damn jealous of what X got going on in Idaho. We're going to transition out, out of football. We are going to give you guys your veggies. But before we get to our veggies, we always have to give a shout-out to our one and only favorite sponsor, Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all, all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental, continental U.S., located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River no return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, Take in the history along the river and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. And now we should just we should just call this segment Vegetables. Because that's what we're here. That's what we're here to give you guys. This is your this is your Vandal men's basketball update. There's no women's update this week because their games were pushed back because of the coronavirus. That's just where we're at. So last Thursday, Idaho travels to University of Montana, goes down 81-62, 19 point loss. That game was not close to 19 point. Felt like it could have been a 30 point loss. Led, we were led by Trevante Anderson, had a had a real solid outing, 22 points, 
three assists. Uh, did have five turnovers. That's a few more than we'd like, but it, it was a good scoring night for Javante. Um, Rashad Smith and Tanner Christensen both chipped in 10 points. The big news out of that game is Idaho's leading scorer, Mikey Dixon, gets shut out. Zero points on zero of six from the field, while Montana shot 54% from the field. That Saturday, we follow up getting killed at Montana with, I mean, a better showing against Montana State. We lose 70-64. to 64. We had some shots at the end that felt like more of a 10-point game throughout most of the night. Jamil King led us uh, against Montana State with 15.7 rebounds. Trevante chipped in 14 and also picked up six rebounds. Uh, Jabril Bello for Montana State led the way, 12 points and eight rebounds. But after that, uh, Dallas, what's the story the last couple games in Idaho basketball? To me, the story of Idaho basketball against the Montana schools is the, we've we and we've talked about this before. There's not enough talent on this team, or not a, not enough correct coaching on this team, uh, to survive when one guy has an off night. Every single guy's got to be got to be on every single night. Otherwise, there's not a chance. Uh, we talked about it uh, when we lost a couple of games we thought were going to be winnable, and it was because Trevante couldn't buy a basket. Uh, not to pin it all on one guy, but you know, it was it was pretty apparent that he he just he was he was having off off nights. Here we come to the the Montana weekend, and obviously Mikey Dixon struggled. Uh, unfortunately for him, I guess I'm guessing he's not going to have a shot at the scoring title after after those two games. But it feels like maybe not the Montana game, but the Montana State game would have absolutely been different if Mikey was firing on all cylinders. Which just brings me back to the like the same point of that. There's just not enough here yet. Uh, maybe it's guys aren't being developed correctly by the coaching staff. Maybe we just need a couple more bodies, but there's just not enough pieces here to con- to contend with the the quote unquote bullies of the Big Sky, the the Montana and Mont- Montana State schools that have have been consistently good for some time. There's just not enough there. I know that it was a it looked closer than it was against Montana State. Realistically, that was a nine point game with 50 seconds left. It, it uh, Jamil King played out of his mind. He had that steal uh, right at the end, and then they, yes, rack rack of hit sixty nine. Asking if we could talk about the tennis team instead, I would prefer that. But Brian, uh, Brian is the Tubbs dad around here, and he's going to force us to do this. So here we are talking about it. Uh, if Mikey Dixon goes off and, and scores, you know, fifteen twenty points like he does most nights, they probably they probably punch Montana State in the mouth like they did last year and come away with the upset. I don't know if that happens against Montana, but that's where we are. There's just not enough on this team to to survive when your best player has an off night or your one of your best players has an off night. Yeah, I messaged with some Muzulan media figures during the Montana game, and they both have the same reaction, which to me, my takeaway is especially – I'm going to talk about the Montana game a little more in the Montana State game – is if you want to know what a well-coached team is, and, and never mind that Every basketball fan, just like every football fan, they're going to have their kind of strategy. They they enjoy a little bit more than one strategy. I've, I've been open. I like when teams play fast-paced. But with that aside, if you want to know what a, good, a well-coached team looks like, watch the University of Montana. Uh, defensively, the reason they shut Mikey Dixon down, it wasn't because Mikey like couldn't shoot or something like that. It's that Montana, the team defense, both the individual effort by Montana point guard Brandon Whitney and the team concept, team strategy – that Travis DeCure employed, they gave Mikey nothing. M- Mikey had had chances. He just he he could not penetrate. He could not get past this guy. And when he did, he he ran into a wall of guys. Montana was committed to saying, "Look, if Idaho's going to win, it's because someone else is hitting a ton of shots, and it's not going to be Mikey Dixon." And Mikey Dixon had no daylight. That was an effective defensive strategy by Travis DeCure. 
that beat the shit out of us. That is exactly what happened. The other thing that look Montana did is I, I find their offensive strategy in the half court kind of irritating at times, but they were committed to getting Josh Bannon easy shots in the post. And he, he absolutely did that. They got Mikey Dixon in foul trouble on, on, the, on our defensive end, their offensive end. That was part of their strategy was to go right at Mikey, make him not, not foul, make him play good defense or give up shots or foul. And he fouled which is why he was out a decent amount of the game. And the Montana media fears, the reason I bring that up, circle back to it, what they messaged me back was they were just astounded at what we've talked about. I know with no, as a comparison, no defensive strat concept whatsoever in terms of team defense. The team defense strategy appeared to be, hey, try to stay in front of your guy. And Montana shot 54% from the field. But I need people to understand, this was actually not a very good shooting outing from Montana. This was not Montana hitting every single look they had. Look, from three, they were five of 16 from the game, and the team still shot 54%. The reason they shot 54% is because the two-point looks they got, they were all they were paint shots. They were penetrating layup kind of shots, or they were deep post-ups. Idaho had no chance from the moment that game started. It was a miracle. It was just Trevante carrying the team in the first half that kept us even kind of close in the first half. And we still end up losing by 19 Montana state was a little bit better outing, but to me, Dallas, um, we can talk about either end because we were shorthanded a couple guys for coronavirus and that kind of mm-hmm. mattered, but it was, we we're uh, solid in play and uh, Philip Pebble jr. Didn't play. Those guys are not like a top three contributors on this team. It matters. That they were out, but look, we didn't lose because those guys were out. We lost because against Montana, we were outclassed particularly at the coaching end. And against Montana State, I mean, they didn't outclass us the same way Montana did because they don't defend quite as well. But clearly against the top third of the big sky, that's just that's just not where we're at. And competitive games are kind of the ceiling. I mean, that's I, I, I have nothing to add about that. That's entirely correct. Um, uh, the one point I did notice in what you said is, so you're saying Idaho's strategy of standing around and half-assedly putting a hand up in the air is bad defense. That that was about the one thing I took away from that. Uh, that other teams don't do that, and it apparently works better when you don't do that. So maybe well, someday, you know. What I want to add to that is, and also, like I I know what you what you're making a comment on, but only thing I want to add to that is just in case people didn't watch the game, it's not like our guys aren't trying on defense. It's we have no strategy. And we went against a team that does. When I say strategy, I don't just mean like zone defense or man defense. I mean clear rotational principles about what help defense does and the goals of help defense and the shots that your help defense wants the other teams to be taking. Oh, Montana clearly wanted to make sure that we could not penetrate and that the most likely shots we would take would be contested threes. Montana. Us, on the other hand, truly, it was just try try to stay in front of your guy. And full disclosure, if you're playing good guards in Division One basketball, staying in front of your guys at defensive principle is not enough. You're just going to get beat. Basketball is one of the is one of the sports where it's really hard to to stop a good player from getting a good shot. You, great defensive players can do that. Realistically, what most listeners, when they've seen good defensive efforts, what they see are sound team principles executed. We just don't have that, and we're not going to. That's, I mean, that's the thing. I think realistically, we're not going to until there's a change. And so that's why this is always, this is always so tough for us to talk about because we can't just sit here and continually say coaching staff has to go 
got to start fresh. Like it's, we can't just sit here and talk to you guys for 15 minutes about that because who wants to hear that? Not that you guys want to hear us talk about basketball anyways, but it's tough to just come out here and be like, yep, get rid of the coach. Like it, it makes us sound like idiots and even more than we already do. Um, I do want to just shout out Scott Blakeney. Uh, Scott Blakeney has hardly played for, for Montana this season. Uh, ended up getting 13 minutes uh, against the Vandals, which I believe was his season high. Uh, shot four for six uh, from the field. Had a rebound. Uh, he did commit a couple turnovers. It was a little sloppy from him, but uh, scored eight points in what was probably the most he's going to play this season. He's been like their 12th guy all year long. I know he's, he's had some some dings and some scrapes, but uh, props to that guy. Uh, you know, no, no animosity from me. Uh, I, I can't speak for all of tubs, but no animosity from me for him leaving Idaho to go play his final year on a team. He was trying to, trying to get some tournament action from, uh, hats off to him. Yeah. The thing I want to add to is Idaho in these last two games had two of our, two of our three worst offensive ratings of the season. Offensive rating is, of course, divided by 100 points per possession. So we, our offensive rating against Montana was 87.3 or 0.87 points per possession. Against Montana State, it was 88.9 or 0.88 points per possession. Against Montana, Montana averaged 1.14 points per possession, which is very good. That's an offensive rating well over 100. We held Montana State below that 100 marker in defensive rating, uh, which 100 is kind of the Mendoza line. Uh, of defensive rating if you're you hold a team below 100 that's considered broadly a pretty good defensive effort because defensive rating doesn't care about pace but still even on our when we had a solid a better defensive rating against montana state we still we couldn't score the ball and it was it was the same thing where if we slow down at all we we just don't do enough and that was a problem mikey had against montana is we did essentially nothing to get him open looks other than give him the ball and try and get out of the way but Dakira knew that was the defense that was going to be that was going to happen. His defensive strategy was based around that. So, yeah, I mean, two really bad offensive outings mean the only way to pull away wins are to have great defensive outings. That that's just not that's just not part of this team's DNA. I mean, right now we are still. Uh, worst defensive team in the conference, giving up 81.5 points per game. And our offense, we're fifth best scoring team in the conference at 73.9 points per game. Keep in mind, we play a slightly faster pace, which puts a couple extra points on there. But, I mean, the, the fundamentals team haven't changed. Of If we're playing bad teams in the big sky, we have a chance. There's, you know, we've talked about his class getting to 12 wins. There's, there's no prayer that this team gets 12 wins. We have nine conference games left. Uh, we'd have to go seven and two in those conference games. I guess Dallas, I'm going to throw it to you real quick to just, we're still talking basketball. You watch these because we have to, to talk about them. What are you trying to pay attention to now to get through to the rest of the season? The reason why I ask is two of our bright spots, Mikey Dixon, Rashad Smith are not coming back next year. So if you're looking for ne about next year, you're, you're looking elsewhere too. If I'm being completely honest, you know what I'm looking for? I'm watching the clock tick down, waiting for it to hit zero, and I'm watching Zach Kloss on the sidelines walk around, and I, I just I, I try to picture what the hell is going on in there. Does he like? What do you think when you're when you're the coach of this team and it's been so bad for so long? Are you sitting here thinking, "Oh, I'm a dead man walking. Mm, I'm going to get fired. Oh, this sucks." That, that's honestly that's what I have to do to keep myself entertained because, like you said. 
Mikey's gone. Rashad's gone. Trevante, I, I would assume, is He's back. Not. But but who knows? I mean, he could hit the transfer portal. Like, I, I have no idea what to expect from this team because everybody from last year left, which wasn't a bad thing. But how many of these guys are going to honestly come back next year? I mean, we could see another 10 new faces on the team and try hitting the reset button again, or, you know, the soft reset button again. So that's what I'm honestly looking at. Um, I know I'm joking here. Honestly, Tanner Christensen uh, is what I'm looking at. Um, I still have a, a like this firm belief that he's going to explode. Uh, he's a little slow and defensively it's you know, not great at times, uh, but not that anybody's particularly good on the defensive end, uh, just the way that the team is set up again. Uh, bottom five in the nation in points against and 11th worst in the nation in defensive rating. So we have climbed out of the bottom 10. So that's progress. But that's what I'm looking at. Um, you know, Yusuf Sala is a freshman. You'd think he's going to be around. He played pretty well when he was off the bench. At least looked pretty good off the bench. Starting, it wasn't quite as good. That's realistically, that's what I'm looking for is those young guys like Christensen and Sala that are getting good amount of play. Are those guys going to be pieces for the next staff when the next staff comes? That's that's the only thing I, I'm really looking at at this point because, like you said, Mikey's gone. Uh, I think... Uh, like you said, Rashad's gone. Trevante should be back, but again, he could just if he's if he's able to graduate. Uh, I don't know what his you know, his academic status is. He could he could move on. Uh, it's so tough to to even anticipate what could happen because the, we could see new coaching staff who could do the soft reset with a bunch of JUCO guys. Who knows? Yeah, I'm I'm watching. I'm going to comment on the Tanner thing. I I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. He's not going to explode. I think he's a he could be a solid player in the big sky. Like he's he's a he's a willing passer out of the post, which actually is a pretty good skill to have. A lot of big sky posts don't have that. I don't think he's quite springy enough athletic to quote to explode like you're talking about, but I think he he can be a solid opportunistic scorer. He's had a handful recently. He's had quite a few 10-point games. If he can be a 10.10 rebound guy for us in the future, that's a great addition and that would make him a one of the higher producing big sky posts, if that can be something he averages, which I do think that could be something he averages. And he's clearly the best post defender we have. So fingers crossed there. Um, I'm paying attention to, to Trevante Anderson. Uh, Trevante's jump shot's a little broken. Um, he's he's just, he's not a sharp shooter. He can he can be a, a streaky shooter. And it, when he his feet are set in a catch and shoot situation, he's all right. The big thing is that when he can penetrate like he did against Montana in the first half, man, he was our only offense when he can get that step on guys, something to, there's a part in me that thinks, well, maybe this could be a guy who's, you know, averaging 15 or 16 or something like that. Cause he's great at getting to the free throw line, but that, I mean, those are the kind of bright spots I'm paying attention to. Uh, the only reason why, look, you don't see the indignation this, this year that you see last season because last season it was different to keep, to keep eyes on Klaus because it was just, look, I mean, we're not trying to be this to death. It's just appalling that he got the job in the first place. We knew he was going to be back. We were excited at the start of the season. For me, it's a little more resignation now of what we thought we had earlier is just not there. And I, I mean, I just think the jury's in. He, we're going to find out that probably researching for a new job. New coach has already begun. And we're just going to find out at the end of the season. And we're going to ride this out because there's not really a ton to gain um, you know, by relieving, relieving him of his duties at this point, this deep into the season. So I guess what I'm hoping for now is just some more close games so we can say it's fun and maybe we ruin someone's first week in a, 
the Big Sky Conference tournament. That's going to be matchup dependent completely. This week, uh, we travel to Southern Utah on Thursday, a.k.a. tomorrow. Uh, for live listeners, Southern Utah, is a, they're kind of an up-and-down team. They sometimes play down the competition. They don't have the defense of Montana, so that's a team we theoretically could be competitive with. Uh, then we don't play this Saturday, and we, following Thursday, we host Idaho State in the ICCU Battle of the Domes, or what we will always call the King's Bud game. I guess that might be a version, something to look forward to is like, hey, you got to redeem it. Honestly, man, that Montana State game was a backbreaker, kind of like the Idaho State and NAU games. Um, that that took something, even for a guy who forces veggies down everyone, that Montana game really, it really took something out of me. I mean, I think you're you're where I was at, uh, honestly, with the Idaho State loss. Like the Eastern game was close. Weber State, I didn't expect them to compete. And then getting their teeth kicked in against Idaho State was my moment of resignation of like, nope, the little bit of hope we had from how in the hell did you beat South Dakota State? All of that is gone. Uh, I this this is as much this is as much pain for you guys listening as it is me talking. So just just know that uh, I I just I wish I could be as motivated about Vandal basketball as I am football right now. Uh, and hopefully there will come a day when we all have that. But right now this is pain and. I, I'm sick of associating Vandal sports with pain and I'm hoping that the athletic department is also thinking that same thing and realizing how nice it is to have the amount of engagement they're getting with the football team and the excitement of the new coach and the new staff and the new way of doing things. I'm hoping like hell they're realizing that because we haven't had that in a very long time. Uh, you know, nothing against Zach Kloss as a person, but he was just a continuation of the Don Verland teams, which was what we needed to recover from Leonard Perry and just the, that disaster we had for three years before Verlin, but it's, it's time. It's time to hit the reset button. It's time to get people excited. Cause again, I have seen all of the comments you guys saying, okay, Hey, veggies are done. Let's stop talking about it. It, it is what it is. This, this program's just not very good and it's not going to be very good until they, they hit the nuke button. No. Uh, and we're going to close that in a second. It just, I do think it's worth having eyes on the program. I think it's, um, the it, having complete indifference towards one of the marquee quote unquote marquee programs um, at a university is uh, it, that's pretty rough. So the, the, I really think that part of why we got Zach Kloss is there are no eyes on it. So, Hey, we're trying, we're at least someone paying attention to it. We're going to call that, but we're going to call that a day. So our, your veggies have been served guys. Uh, keep paying attention to football stuff next week. We have a pretty exciting interview that I think you guys will listen to. Honestly, we would have had the interview this week had it not been signing day. We call Northern Colorado hit the news this week in a way that, again, we absolutely would have talked about had it not been signing day. They hit the Northern Colorado made national news for not great reasons about the football team where the excitement of Ed McCaffrey is appears to be waning quickly. And uh, we have Jaden Adams is coming on next week. She wrote an article. She writes for the, the Greeley Tribune. She wrote a pre, uh, pretty well, really well-researched article, lots of uh, firsthand interviews with Northern Colorado guys because uh, just like we talked about the Portland State dumpster fire, there's a football dumpster fire in Northern Colorado, guys, and we absolutely need to talk about it. Before you guys sign- think our dead horse was bad. Who boy. 
I'm not going to say the dead port, dead horse part for them is worse, but uh, it's a, it's looking pretty rough in Northern Colorado. We're going to have Gene Adams on to talk about it. We're going to stretch the ball stuff as long as we can. Uh, and, but, and we think this really matters for gauging your interest in uh, Greeley for next season. And like Captain Dan said, drama in Greeley and it ain't the grass because the long grass Greeley is gone. You would have thought the problems left when they lost their long grass and they had field turf, but no, they are just, they're not growing. Because grass is what grows, but anyway, uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk to Jay Adams next week about Northern Colorado and any other Vandal football news that we have. And with that, it is time for Colby Cuff to play us out. Go Vandals! Go Vandals! And go Rams! Go Vandals! Also, do one more thing before we quickly end the show. Vandal Terry Golick did announce at the show this week that there is a coach that has been uh, hired. The name has not been announced yet, and will be a coach for what? Martin, you got to tell us who the coach is for. Coach for volleyball. Sorry, I rushed that really badly. There has been a hire for volleyball. The name has not been announced yet out of their request because they want to make sure that they get their staff hired first before they do it and get everybody hired. They and meaning the coach wants a complete wants to announce complete staff at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's next? Wants to announce everybody at once, so it's all done at once, and that is it. Go Vandals. Uh, where is it? Uh, oh, God. Oh, God. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals in the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drinking tea.